Welcome to the Mom Manual. Motherhood doesn't come with instructions, but it should. We are on a mission to highlight ordinary moms doing extraordinary things to build the ultimate mom manual. Every week, I have the distinct honor of speaking with women about the lessons they've learned and the inspiration that got them to where they are today. Join us for a conversation that will spark creativity, provide actionable tips, and celebrate the ordinary and extraordinary moments of motherhood. The Mom Manual starts now. Hi everyone, I am so excited to introduce Brittany Stefanik. She is the founder of Sleeper Teachers Sleep Consultant, and she has some amazing tips for us today. Brittany, welcome to the podcast. Hey Tara, thank you so much. Okay, can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Of course. So I am a self-proclaimed science nerd, Enneagram One type A perfectionist. My background is in biology and science education. And I was teaching high school science for eight years before having my son and stumbling into the struggles of new mom life, realizing that I couldn't be a good teacher or a good wife or a good mom when I wasn't getting sleep. So it was kind of a a page turning moment that opened some new chapters once I realized what I really needed in order to be a functioning member of, uh, I guess, society. And yeah, yeah. And so he's the inspiration for the business, but I would say the, the, you know, it really fit in nicely with like the biology and education. And so it was just this path that was unexpected, but meant to be. And how old is your little boy now? He's, he just turned five, five. Okay. So you've been doing this for five years. Yep. Four. So he, yep. I, I guess unofficially five years, but then got trained and certified when he turned one. Once I realized like, wait a minute, I figured this out for him, but I'm definitely not the only one who was struggling. And so then decided to make it official. Yeah. Okay. So then you left your teaching job and you went all in with the business. I did. I did. I did. It has evolved, like way evolved since then. Tell us, tell us about that. Yeah. So when I started, uh, my business was actually Brittany Stefanik Sleep Consulting, because of course I just planned on it being me and doing the thing solo. Um, And now we are sleeper teachers. Um, We're a team of eight and we serve families around the world. I brought the team members on. They all have either been former clients of mine or personal connections. Um, most of us have education backgrounds. A few are actually still in the classroom. And we just really take to heart the idea that we're building a skill. We're teaching this skill of sleep to families with, with little ones and, and adults even, which we can talk about more. And we really are rooted in the education nature of our work. Yeah. I love that. Cause I think, you know, when I had my first daughter who just turned nine sleep consultants, I don't think were really a thing. I hadn't heard of a sleep consultant. I had thought if you were maybe a celebrity, you would have a night nurse or something to that effect. If you lived in LA or New York, but now (laughs) it's very common. And tell us about, is there a certain training for a sleep consultant or how does that look to become a sleep consultant? Yeah, there are, there are actually quite a few. And, you know, as we can all imagine, it's ever evolving and changing, especially as the field grows. And I think the really cool thing is that every time there's a new consultant trained or every time there's a new training program that comes into play, I think it just provides more access. And so I love the idea, like in my perfect world, 
everybody would be able to have a consultant. And in one day it will be covered by insurance. It will be mainstream in hospitals and in postpartum care. Like it's just going to become the thing that we all get to do. It's in, and like you said, nine years ago, it wasn't a thing, or maybe was only a thing for celebs. And so how cool that in the next few years, it will become something that everyone can, can have access to. That would actually, I never thought of that, but that would be amazing because if you think about there's lactation consultants and that is covered by insurance because it's very important, but I mean, sleep is really the most important thing. And I think we have similar stories. You founded your business based off your son, not sleeping. I founded my business based off my son, not sleeping. Exactly. I want to jump into our takeaways for mom. So you have seven sleep consultants who focus on the pediatric and then you actually focus on adult sleep. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So what I found, um, after first, first few years in business was even after we got the little one sleeping well, or the little one sleeping well, moms and dads were still coming to me and like, okay, great. They've been sleeping for a few weeks, but when am I going to start sleeping again? So I actually added my adult um, sleep certification afterward. Um, and what I do obviously adult changes take a little bit longer than pediatrics. So, um, when I work with adults, I'm solely focused on behavioral changes and habitual modification. So if someone is struggling with say like sleep apnea, I refer to their primary care physician. Um, and then we tackle the behavior and the habits around routine around the way we feel and think about our sleep, because there is definitely a mindset component. Um, and really the prioritization of making sure that we're giving ourselves the time to get the sleep that we need. So everyone is not going to be able to get a full session today, but you have three awesome takeaways for us. So would you jump into the first one for how we can improve our adult sleep? Yes. Okay. So tip number one, you get to create a sleep sanctuary for yourself. And so this means that when you walk into your bedroom, it should feel relaxing. It should feel inviting. It should feel free of stressors. So, um, simple tends to be best. Of course, if you have like a flair for design or that's really your thing, like go all in there. Um, but we really want to be sure that we remove the stressors in order to create a sanctuary. So if that pile of laundry is like sitting there and you just move it on and off the bed. And every time you look at it, you spiral into anxiety, remove the laundry from your room, like find a different place for it. Or if You've been working from home and your computer's in your room. Find a different space for it, especially in the evening. Totally fine if you have to get creative during the day. But what what changes can we make? And oftentimes they're quite small to really create that space to have that sort of vibe. Okay. I love that. When I, I remember being a poor college student and then sharing a dorm, sharing, you know, a a room with other people. And I remember just being so excited. I love sleep, by the way. Like I am one of those people that if I could sleep 10 hours every night, that's my ideal time, which sounds so much, but I know that's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) My, my premise. No, mine is nine 15, nine hours and 15 minutes is like my sweet spot. So I get it. I'm with you. I'm envious of the people that have the five hour clock 
But anyways, when I, when I graduated and I had my first place, I remember being so excited and having this mindset, like I want to have this absolute sanctuary. And I had, as an adult, I had a sound machine that they had like bird sound. So it it was like, I was sleeping next to the ocean. I would have a, a fan that was like a light breeze. I had complete black, like I was a baby. I had complete blackout shades. I had all the things. So you know, that I created definitely, definitely a sanctuary, but what would you say are those top things that you want to see in that sanctuary room? So darkness is super important, even for adults. Um, it really helps with the circadian clock, um, with the production of melatonin. So darkness wins for sure. Um, oftentimes we need some sort of like background noise, white noise fan, um, just to help mask other things that are going on, you know, the dog walking around or the wind creaking outside. Um, and then I would say probably above both of those would be just removing the stressors from the space. Like we chatted about so that the space feels the way you want it to. Yeah. What about TVs? What's your opinion on that? Mm, Okay. So it's funny you ask because That's actually leading into tip two, which is how can we create some time before bed without screens? So you can pause, you can sign off of the podcast if this is like a trigger for you, but from a biological perspective, it is best if we have an hour before bedtime without devices. So TVs, obviously phones, um, iPads, things like that. And the reason, um, it's actually twofold. So one, the, the blue light that's coming off of the screens, there are studies out right now that are showing the effect of that blue light in the decrease or the inhibition of the production of melatonin. When we're watching screens before bed, our brains are tricked into still thinking it's daytime. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to fight against biology when I'm trying to go to bed. So let's make this as easy as we can. Yes. Let's create again, a space and an environment that allows for great quality sleep. So yeah, TVs are no, we have one in our room. We do watch stuff on it. My husband typically falls asleep before I do. And then I turn it off and then I have my time. I'm a big like audio book, kind of just chill and listen kind of person. If my husband was on this call, he would challenge you on this because he mm-hmm. says the TV helps him fall asleep. And totally. so a lot of times he, I think he uses that as the background noise. For me, mm-hmm. it's a very distracting. And if I start watching something, I won't fall asleep. I will be up until four in the morning listening to, you know, Netflix does the next episode, next episode. So I will just keep going. Um, but he will fall right asleep and he says it helps him fall asleep, which I don't agree with, but and yeah. now biology is saying no. Yeah. So it could be the, the, um, audio cues could be helpful. It's, it's very unlikely that the actual screen itself helps him, but I suspect that it's more of the habit that he's created, that he needs that noise probably to like shut down his brain or he needs something else to think about. Right. And, um, he is lucky that it helps him, I guess you're unlucky that it doesn't help you, but I wonder, Right. Like I wonder, I'm like, okay, so I love to get creative about stuff like this. So like, how could he still have the audio input and that like sensory to help him to relax and calm and kind of like numb out while you can still have like your own sanctuary while being in the same bed. Um, so I think like I go straight to like earphones or like earbuds or you having earplugs. So he could be listening to something. He could even just 
turn on Netflix on his phone and turn the screen down. So he's listening to the show Yeah, and then you could still have your quiet. Yeah. yeah. No, we kind of, I, I think we have switched a little bit. The TV in our bedroom was a fight early on in our marriage, which mm-hmm. I lost. There's just some things, you know, being married that you say, fine, I will back down. I did not want a TV in our bedroom. I had never had that. And to me, it wasn't a sanctuary item. So, but it is there and it is nice sometimes if we're just hanging out like before bed ish to watch a show or something to that effect. But what we have actually switched to is he will put in his earphones and then, like you said, watch it on his, on his um, phone, the Netflix. And then I'll, a lot of times just fall asleep. But if we, if you were to say, which we know doesn't always happen with kids. If you were to say an ideal bedtime wind down, like you have no job, you have no responsibilities, you have no kids, you have all the time in the world. What would that wind down look like? Like a true perfect wind down. Okay. So you're going to probably have to pick your jaw up off the ground, but <laughs> ideally, ideally it would be an entire hour okay. to transition from day, the daytime hustle to like getting into bed. And believe it or not, even in the real world with jobs and kids and life and the hustle and bustle, I have clients who we learn to do this and we learn to take a full hour and it becomes like the most important and special time of the day for them. Um, so if, if we can have an hour of, again, that transition from the craziness of daytime to nighttime, so often when I hear from adults that they have a hard time or they lay down and they can't shut off their brain or their mind is just constantly racing or they can't stop thinking about tomorrow. Most often those are the people who are working up until 1030 or are, you know, doing things around the house and chores and watching TV and whatever until 1030. And then they hop in bed at 1035 and they wonder why they can't shut their brain off. Right. So it really is about giving your, your mind and your body that transitional time, whether it's, you know, taking a shower, taking a bath or, um, you know, reading or listening to a book or doing some yoga or stretching. Um, I have clients who have like, um, you know, learn to play the guitar and, uh, you know, those adult like doodling coloring book type things. Yep. Those are so fun. <laughs> those are so great. Or, um, I, I have a woman who started writing, like she was like, I've always wanted to write a book and I've never made time for it. And so she now writes before bed, which I think is so cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really giving yourself the time, not only to transition, but like, how cool would it be if you got to end your day in a way that you chose, that would be the Holy grail. <laughs> that would be right. <laughs> so what I'm hearing is it's a less important what you actually do. And it's more important that you just have a routine that works for you. That is about an hour. Is that right? Yes. You got it. Okay. I love this. I'm already thinking of like my routine and I, I, I sleep is very important to me. So I definitely do a little bit of this, but I don't, I would not say for one hour. Um, I think yeah. the best thing that I do is I get ready for bed with my kids. So they go to bed at oh. eight and I will brush my teeth with them. I will take a shower with them. I will wash my face with them. Like whatever they're doing to wind down and we do the same stuff for them every night. I will do it as well. So by 8.30, I am ready for bed. Not meaning I go to bed at 8.30 because I really don't usually fall asleep until about 10.30, sometimes 11. But then I'm not going back into the kitchen to eat anything because I've brushed my teeth. I'm not 
you know, cleaning up the house. Cause I've already kind of like showered and I'm in pajamas. So yeah. that I would say that really, really helps me, but I want to, I want to have a more of like a clear routine. So I love some of these ideas that you've given. Okay. And then what would you say is your third must do for that better adult sleep? Okay. So we talked sanctuary. We talked routine before bed. I feel like going with routine, we have to talk about mornings and like the importance of not falling into the trap of the dreaded snooze button, which sounds weird because it's the end of the sleep, but really snooze doesn't serve us at all from a circadian rhythm perspective, from just like a mindset and attitude way you're starting your day, the sleep that you might get that eight, 12, 15 minutes it's not enough time to get into a full sleep cycle. So most likely when you wake up after the snooze button, like goes off the next time, you're probably more tired than you would have been if you would have just gotten up the first time. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Okay. So I have had this, I typically have a call every morning at seven o'clock. So I work from home. I have my alarm goes off at six 30. I pop right out of bed. I take a really quick shower, get dressed, go downstairs. I have a morning routine for sure. I make a tea. I get a big thing of water and I have this like green shot. Basically I bring all three of those into my office. And then at like six 55, I'm on my computer and I'm ready to start my first meeting. However, some mornings I would say maybe once a week or once every other week, I don't have a a. 7am meeting, but my alarm still goes off. And then I think to myself, I don't have a call till eight o'clock. I can (laughs) one hour back. And then during that one hour, I always have crazy dreams, (laughs) like the craziest, weirdest things happen. And usually they're anxiety dreams, something about my business, Mm. which I don't Mm. ever have unless I set that alarm. So tell me why is that happening to me during that hour? So you're somehow getting into your dream creation state into your REM sleep, which is fascinating um, because you're doing that quite quickly. Um, And, you know, it's, it's some function of your circadian clock. I'd have to like take a deeper dive into what the rest of your night looks like, but probably, you know, you have in the back of your mind that you should be up, that you're normally up. You're sort of trying to like override your normal rhythm. If you're habitually getting up at 630 and then occasionally trying to kind of push that later, you're trying to push the envelope in a way. And something about your mind is still in work mode during that time. And that's probably creating the, the vivid dreams and that sort of like work anxiety that you're describing most likely because of the, you're trying to, to break the pattern. It sounds like. Yes. Okay. I mean, that's what I thought, but I, I like the yeah. verification from you. So when, when you talk yeah. about getting a snooze, is there a certain acceptable time where, okay, you've woken up at 5.00 AM. Should you just get up or should you sleep again until 6.30? Is there like a certain amount of time that is fine to go back to sleep? So it differs, of course, like just like you know, our, our babies are so different and their sleep needs are so different. Ours are as well. So it, it kind of depends from person to person, but in general, if you've naturally woken either because, you know, you hear something or you have to pee or because you just get up and whatever, you're more likely to have just like a less foggy, less groggy day than if you try to complete an entire new sleep cycle. So 
five to six 30, that gives you enough time to get into a sleep cycle and probably wake up and feel totally fine. Um, but I would say shorter than that for most people isn't enough time. Um, so let's go with like a general rule of like more than 90 minutes, go ahead and try to fall back to sleep less than 90 minutes, go ahead and get up, but know that even if you get into a new sleep cycle, between that five and six 30 time, you might still wake up groggy, uh, because your body has already woken your hormone, your cortisol levels are already high. Your body is already prepared for the day. And again, you're kind of trying to override that. That makes sense. So if you have more than a 90 minute sleep window, you can go back, but if it's less than just get up because you're going to have a better day without it. All right. So, so here's the harder thing though, pressing the snooze button. everybody loves to do because mm-hmm. nobody likes to wake up. Totally. So what do you tell, you know, how do you tell your clients to overcome their desire to hit the snooze? So one thing is make sure the alarm is out of reach. So if you're using your phone, like try plugging it in your bathroom. Um, or if you're still using, uh, what I consider to be an old school alarm clock, um, set it across the room so that you physically have to remove yourself from your bed in order to go turn it off feet hitting the floor leaves you much less likely to hit snooze and much more likely to start your day than the simple like roll over. (laughs) So that would be kind of like part one. And then part two would be trying to find the next step of your routine in the morning to be something that you really love. And that's motivation for you. So whether it's like buying a new face scrub that has like a really nice, like citrusy or minty scent that like actually wakes up your senses or knowing that, um, you know, that first week that you're trying to go with no snooze, you've um, purchased like your favorite fancy coffee grind and, you know, a new mug or something to, to walk into your kitchen to find. So finding a way to extrinsically motivate yourself to start the routine anyway, knowing that your brain and your body are going to tell you, wait, wait, hit the snooze. That's so much better. But we know um, that if we could have a little oomph or push, um, we're more likely to, to stick to the original plan. Okay. I love all of those. I am. Yes, yes, yes. There are so many things in there, but one of my friends said what she would do is a big um, glass of water right next to her bed. So she would immediately drink that water and that would kind of activate her body to again, wake up. I have struggled with the snooze for years. So these are all really awesome tips. Do you keep your phone by your bed or your alarm by your bed, Tara? I do. I do. I know, Mm. but it's because Okay, I'm going to challenge you. Okay. Challenge me. Challenge me. I'm going to challenge you to at least plug it in across the room, but more ideal than that would be in your bathroom. Oh, it's so far though. (laughs) It's so far. It's so far, but it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. And seriously, like the power of like a invigorating face scrub with like that, you know, warm water on your face. Like it's, it's pretty magical. Actually. One of my favorite parts of my day. I will say, I agree with you though, because if I get out of bed, it's, I don't go, go back in. You're fine. Yeah. yeah. So you're fine. Yeah. It's really just taking that first step to not roll and hit the snooze. And then, but I will say again, I, and that is why I am not a morning person. I have intentionally scheduled my day to have calls at seven because mm-hmm. if I do not, 
those days I don't have a call, I will snooze it. But I know on most days I cannot snooze because then I'd miss my call. Right. Right. And people are waiting. Yeah. Yeah. I won't do that. So that, that is my motivation, but it's so, and I have actually anyone who I work with on the East coast, I'm like, Hey, do you guys mind? Can we do seven Pacific? And they're like, is that early for you? And I'm like, no, it's perfect. <laughs> so <laughs> I, have, I think that's been my, my best defense, but I still, yeah, I need to get to bed earlier. I have probably like every other busy mom who's working and has kids or is home with kids or is just working. Everybody in life is busy. So sleep somehow seems to always get pushed and we need to prioritize it. So I love that you're working with adults and, and I love that people are coming to you where they're recognizing like, this is a problem in my life and it's affecting, I would assume, you know, work performance, marriage, relationships, and that there's everything. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're not sleeping, you're not functioning in life. I mean, that, that I know for sure. Um, Brittany, this was amazing. So many good takeaways. I know all the moms who are listening are probably taking tons of notes and probably want to find out where you are. So can you tell everybody where they can find you? Of course, of course. So, um, sleeperteachers.com, um, will take you to our website where you can reach out for a, um, adult or pediatric eval call. So again, since we're whole family, we can cover everybody from the itty bitties all the way up to to grown adults. And, um, we're also on Instagram. We have a pretty active blog that's on Pinterest and all of it is at sleeper teachers. Amazing. Brittany, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. Of course. 